You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. Awesome. Well, good morning. How are you? It's uh, great to be here. Let's get my iPad working. Here we go. Yeah, it's great to be with you today. We've had a, an incredible weekend uh, here in Melbourne. Uh, I come from Newcastle. Uh, which is the capital of New South Wales, above a little city called Sydney. Um, we, uh, we've um, had our annual Melbourne fundraising dinner over uh, last night in the town hall, and uh, we had an incredible night. Over 100 people from uh, Christian supporters here in Melbourne came and uh, came to our dinner, and we raised um, $85,000 last night for our ministry, so, which is really, really quite... Very encouraging for us, and uh, so we're, we're really excited, and it's great to be here today. Thank you, Jono, for inviting me, and uh, it's, it certainly is great to be with you. I've heard a lot about your church, and so it's nice to be here, and thank you for making me feel so welcome. So what are we going to talk about this morning? Um, I'm a bit of a walker and a bit of a talker, so if I walk around a little bit, is that okay? Yeah, it's not nerves, it's just I'm a walker and a talker. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, firstly, what I would love to do is um, talk a little bit about uh, debt and poverty, uh, particularly from the Australian uh, perspective. Um, Many of us may know this, or some may not know this, that we are in a situation in our country where uh, debt and poverty is becoming a really, really big issue. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Um, what I, what I also want to talk about is the fact that um, we've got this amazing organisation in this country called the local church. Uh, I love the local church. I'm passionate about the local church. And uh, I believe that the local church um, has an incredible opportunity to, uh, to really be at the very forefront of transformation in this nation uh, in these areas of debt and poverty. I, I believe it's um, very, very encouraging uh, that uh, we have this Uh, God-breathed organism that has real power and real ability to influence people's lives uh, in a very practical and also a spiritual sense. And as part of that, I'm going to then explore a little bit with you this morning about the work of Christians Against Poverty. What does it look like? And uh, what I'm really excited about today is that we're here to launch a brand new ministry in your church, uh, which is our Cap Money program. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that as well. And then to bring it home, um, I would like to uh, give you guys an opportunity this morning to uh, get a free copy of our book, Nevertheless, which is the story of CAP, how we began uh, 22 years ago, uh, and uh, it's an incredible read, so I want to give you an opportunity for that, and also to encourage you to think about ways in which you can respond to what we're talking about this morning. Is that okay? All right, fantastic. Well, Let me begin this morning by uh, sharing a little bit about my story. So today we're going to talk about restoring dignity. God restores dignity. Uh, Now, I'm very au fait with with this because as a a child of five years of age, uh, I experienced childhood sexual abuse. And uh, I remember the scenario like it was yesterday. I remember the events. I remember the dark room. I remember the the light peering through the hallway. Uh, I remember feeling a sense of guilt I remember experiencing shame, and uh, as I think back on it now, what I really experienced was dignity draining out of my life. I lost my dignity at the age of five, 
And so uh, when you experience some sort of trauma like that, particularly as a young child, the natural tendency to, to, to what, it, what you would do normally is to cover up the problem. When you go back to the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they realised that they had shame, so they covered up. Right? They hid themselves. And that's what I did. So on the outside, people would think I looked pretty normal. I was doing everything normally. Uh, I was, uh, you know, school. I was playing sport. I was playing music. But on the inside, I was a broken young boy. And, uh, but, you know, you didn't talk about things like that. You just dealt with it. And so I, I just did life, and um, uh, on the outside I seemed to be okay, but on the inside I just realised that I was a train wreck, uh, that it was at some point going to derail. Uh, it took a long time, but eventually that's what happened. Uh, so I got married and um, had two amazing children. I think I've got a photo of them there. And uh, I know what you're all thinking. Uh, don't, don't feel offended if, if, if you're thinking this. Somebody in that photo is um, punching above their weight. Batting above the average, you know. Yeah, I'm not. Don't get offended. It's okay. Um, I've, I, I often tell my wife Catherine, who's on the other side, um, she shouldn't take it personally. She's just very blessed to be married to such a handsome man, um, <laughs> who's struggling with a little bit of delusion. Um, so that's my family. That was my uh, my my daughter Taylor's wedding day about two years ago. Now um, you look at that photo and you think, wow, it's very happy family. But eight years before that. My wife said to me, Scott, it's over. My marriage is over. Um, I was so broken, I I treated my wife dreadfully. Not because I wanted to, but because I was broken. And uh, about seven years ago, my other daughter, Abby, who's standing next to me, uh, we had a little bit of an issue in our family one day in a car park at a shopping centre. And uh, she looked at me one day and she said, Dad, get help. Um, She stared into my eyes she looked into my soul and she just and I saw this pain in her and I realized that I was the one causing her pain and I haven't had a moment like that since but at that moment when she said that to me something happened in my heart and I realized I needed to own up to my failings to my brokenness and I needed to get help. And that's what I did. I, I went to a professional help and my church got around me and my family got around me. And over a period of a few years, um, I tackled my brokenness. And uh, I, I describe it as God took my heart in his hand and he healed it. Um, pretty, pretty powerfully healed my heart. God restored my dignity. And so... What, what did my life look like then? You know, when I experienced that, well, my life completely transformed. Um, joy came back into my life. Um, I didn't have to worry about trying to be successful. I didn't have to worry about, you know, um, trying to please people all the time. God just let me know very, very categorically that he loved me like crazy and that I could just be me. And you know what a relief that is to know that you can just be you because you're who you are is good enough in God's eyes. No matter how broken we may be, God loves us. And so maybe today, like me, you've had moments and times where you've experienced loss of dignity. We probably all have at moments or seasons or even long stretches of time. Uh, So we all understand what it's like to experience that. 
But for many of us, we've also experienced that restoration of dignity as well, where God comes through to us and he heals us. And we know how good it feels, don't we, when, when we, we get that healing from our, our loss of dignity. The reality, though, today is that for many people in Australia, they are living a life where they are struggling with their dignity on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. And, and so I think it's important for us to, to understand that because we connect with that, don't we, as humans? We, we can connect with people's pain. And particularly in Australia when it comes to finances, many people are struggling with dignity because of their financial situation. It, it may be... Um, it may be of interest to you that whenever we use the term poverty, we often think about developing nations, don't we? We think about the, the child on the screen and, you know, the, the, the turmoil that so many people are experiencing across the globe. And yes, that is a very accurate description of poverty. But what about Australia? We live in a completely unique situation here. One in seven Australians, nearly three million Aussies, are living below the poverty line right now. Now, that's a phenomenal number of people. 750,000 children under the age of 15 are living in homes that are affected by poverty. It's a lot of people. Um, When we think about debt, for example, debt's a big issue in our country. You may not know this, but we are the second highest indebted nation in the world per capita, behind Switzerland of all countries. To illustrate this point, in 1990, every dollar a household earned, uh, the household borrowed uh, $90 in debt, right? So every dollar you brought in as an income, you would borrow 90 in 2018, every dollar we brought in, we borrow $200 of debt, nearly three times the amount of 1990. That's a lot of debt. Now, a lot of that is household debt, of course, but you've got credit card debt and other debts that we have, store cards, etc., etc. What What's masking that, though, is the fact that our interest rates are so low. Who can remember back in the 1980s and 90, early 1990s? Who can tell me what the interest rates were back in those days? You were very lucky, weren't you? So, so 19%, 18%, that's a lot of interest. Whereas today, we've got 3% and 4%. And so whilst we've borrowed a lot more, the interest payments are a lot lower. So it masks it somewhat. But could you imagine if interest rates went up by 2%? all of a sudden, so many people in Australia would be struggling to survive. And so whether it's poverty, i.e. not having enough money, or whether it's people being weighed down by overwhelming debt, uh, the news is that we do have an epidemic in our country that desperately needs solving. So many people, maybe even people in this room today, are struggling with finances now, if I left it at that, that would be a pretty depressing message. <laughs> There's no good news in that. But that's not the end of the story. Because there is good news. Because Jesus has come to set the captives free. Jesus has come to bring new life to us. And I want to go to the next slide. Who knows the story of Hannah? 
in the Old Testament, in the book of Samuel, where she couldn't have a child. And she, and she called, called out to God for a child and, and God blessed her with, with, uh, with Samuel, the first prophet of, uh, of the Old Testament. Well, in chapter 2, she has this incredible declaration, this incredible prayer. You should read it when you go home. And she just, from her heart, gives a wonderful, beautiful explanation and declaration about who God is. And in verse 8, she says this, that God puts poor people on their feet again. He rekindles burned out lives with fresh hope, restoring dignity and respect in people's lives, a place in the sun. That's very appropriate for Melbourne in the middle of winter, isn't it? A place in the sun, a bit of warmth. You know, I love this passage because this tells you who God is. God is the restorer of dignity. That's who he is. That's not what he does. That's who he is. And he is about rekindling burned out lives. Burned out lives. People who are struggling because they are burnt out because of debt, poverty, and so many other things that they're, they're struggling with. And restoring dignity and respect. I love that term, fresh hope. Fresh hope. So many people have lost hope out here. But God wants to restore fresh, new hope in people's lives. Is that okay? That's who he is. That's who he is. And so um, how does he do that? Does he just click his fingers? Does he just sort of say something? No. He, he has created this beautiful organisation called the church to be his hands and to be his feet, to be the restorers of dignity in people's lives. You know, I, I, I am passionate about the church because I just know what the church is capable of. I know what you are capable of. I know what I'm capable of. But even with our limitations, I know what God is capable of through us. And so um, when I think about the church, um, I get excited because I think there is so much that we can be doing for our communities. So much we can be doing in our local space for the gospel. You know, we read earlier from Isaiah and, 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 and God was tackling a problem. You see, Israel had moved away from the spirit of God. You know, they were oppressing their own people. They were, uh, they were making life hard for the vulnerable in their society. And yet they were calling upon God and saying, God, hear my prayer, see my fasting. Come on, let's answer my prayers today. I, I, I'm calling out to you. And God says, you've got a problem. And the problem is that you've moved away from my spirit, you've moved away from my heart of, of, of justice, of, 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 of love and compassion and mercy. And he says, if you really want to know what my fast is about, it's not actually about giving up food. It's not about turning up to church. It's not about going through the religious things that we do, although they're all important, so don't stop doing them. But he says, if you really, really want to know my heart... It's to serve the poor. It's to feed the hungry. It's to make sure people have got shelter. It's to make sure that you're looking after people who are vulnerable. It's to make sure that you're treating people with respect. That's the true heart of God. And I think in some respects that's encouraging for us because we go, yes, I can connect with that. But 
it also could be a challenge for us because we do, by nature, get religious. We love our religiousisms, don't we? We, we are creatures of habit. And so it's, it's often good for us to read passages like that and say, well, where is my heart right now? Have I forgotten the poor? Have I forgotten the vulnerable? Or do I have a heart that burns for these people? Um, you know, we often forget about the fact that, you know, in our own brokenness, Jesus died for us, gave his life for us, gave his grace to us when we didn't deserve it. In fact, the Bible talks about that we were enemies of the cross in, in one passage. And yet through that, he still gave sacrificially to us. And he didn't do that just so we could say, great, I'm, I'm saved now. He did that because he said, follow me. And so the encouragement and the direction for churches and for Christians is not just to say, well, I've got the grace of God now, happy days. It's actually now, how do I live that out in my local community? How do I live that out in my world? And it's a challenge. But it's the best challenge that we can take as Christians to follow him. Jesus was a replica of God, wasn't he? he? He came to seek out and save the lost, the broken, the marginalised, the sinner, the outcast, people like us. He came to save and to seek us out. And he's encouraged us to, to step into that same space. What a privilege to be able to to love and care for the poor, the vulnerable, the marginalised in our own society. A lot of people have a heart to want to do that, of course, and, um, but often the, the challenge is, well, how do I do that? What's the practicality of that? You know, what, what difference can I make? And really that's at the very heart of why Christians Against Poverty exists, because so often people have a heart and even have an opportunity, but they don't have the tools to be able to do something practically to, to help people in a, in a real way. And uh, so we exist to um, help local churches, local congregations like yours, with practical tools that connect you with the lounge rooms of people in your local communities to help meet their needs right now. You see, people don't want to know you're a Christian, People don't want to know about the fact that you talk about the love of God until they see and experience the love of God. Is that, that's pretty true, isn't it? Yeah, don't tell me about it, show me it. And that's what we're here for. And so we equip the local church to be able to do that in their local communities. And we do that in four ways. We have four programs that we train and equip and mobilise the local church to run these programs in your local community. Uh, we have our debt management program. We are the largest face-to-face -face free debt counselling organisation in the country. I'll give you some statistics later on, but we actually help people get themselves out of debt through free debt counselling across the country. We also provide job clubs, which are helping the long-term unemployed uh, find hope and confidence in themselves again and, and to, um, to, to get skills so they can get back into the workforce. We also have a program that tackles addiction, you know, we're the, one of the highest addicted nations in the world. How many people woke up this morning and said, I need a cup of coffee? Where are the honest ones in the church? How many people have quality family time sitting in their lounge rooms watching TV all on your mobile phones? 
not really communicating with each other. Yeah, so, so we're addicted as a nation, and so we've got a program that helps people tackle their addiction. But the one I'm here to talk about today is Cap Money. Uh, Australia really struggles with financial literacy. We don't teach it in schools. We're not very good at it. And so uh, really what we're about is, is equipping the church to run the Cap Money program. We've trained three people in your congregation. We've got Karen, and we've got John, and we've got who's Anne up the back there, who have been trained to run our Cap Money program. Cap Money is a budgeting course. It helps people to build and live on a budget, teaching basic money management skills. It's, um, it's based on a DVD-type program, so we've provided all the resources. And it's really aimed at helping people to, to get in control of their finances once again, or maybe even for the first time. So maybe today you're thinking to yourself, I know that I'm not a good money manager join the club. There's so many of us aren't. And so maybe today you're just thinking to yourself, you know, I know I live from week to week and I don't have any savings and it gets me down. Maybe you think to yourself, you know, I've got a spending problem, but I just need a structure that's going to help me get in control of my finances. Or maybe you're thinking to yourself, you know, um, I, I want to plan for something in the future, you know, a house or a holiday or something like that, but I just haven't had the skills to be able to do that. Or maybe you're just thinking, how can I be a better example to my kids? If you answer yes to any of those, um, then Cat Money is a great tool for you to to tackle it on. And so we're going to run Cat Money in this church, maybe in July. Anne's going to look at that for you. So if, if you are thinking to yourself today, I would love to learn some skills in how to manage my money better, why don't you talk to Anne and she'll let you know about when the first Cap Money program comes up here in your church. And, um, you know, we've had 19,500 people go through Cap Money and uh, 87% of those people said that their life had either transformed or had been significantly impacted because of the way they manage their finances, which is really cool. And it's important because poverty and debt destroy lives. It destroys families, relationships. It destroys communities. Um, And the good news, though, is that by doing things like this, you can make a difference. So, for example, we have um, just recently celebrated uh, with our debt management program 3,000 people that have gone debt-free through our organisation. We have helped people manage over $136 million in debt we had had debts dealt with. That's a lot of money that we've helped clients work through. We've also seen uh, nearly 1,600 people come to faith through this ministry with our church partners across the country. You know, people's lives are being wonderfully and miraculously transformed. And so uh, we just know it works. And we know that um, in partnership with a local church, so much is possible. In a moment, I'm going to show you one of our client video stories, um, and you're going to love this story. It's Wendy's story. But before I do, um, as I said earlier, I'd love to give you the opportunity today to get a free copy of our book, Nevertheless. Now, on your seats, you'll see a card and also a pen, and um, the pens sometimes work, sometimes they don't, but you'll never accuse Cap of spending too much money on pens. Uh, But um, if you don't, yours doesn't work, come to the stand and we'll help you. Um, The book, nevertheless, is the story of how Cap began in the UK 22 years ago. Our founder, John Kirkby, uh, he was in debt and poverty himself. He came to faith in the local church, God restored his life, And then as he was starting to embark on his life again, uh, God simply said to him, John, go and serve the poor. And so what he did was he he took his skills that he learned from dealing with creditors, 
And he's half from the local church and he just started to serve people in his own little town in Bradford in the UK. And 22 years later, we've now got um, missions in UK, Australia, New Zealand, Canada and the US, all from this one man's journey. And so the book is an incredible read. It's inspiring. Uh, It inspired me and I know it'll inspire you too. So if you would like a copy of this book today, all you need to do is sign and complete the left-hand side of the card, uh, bring it to the stand outside after the service, and I'll exchange a book for the card. Please don't worry, we're not going to bombard you with useless information, as we often get with email, but we do want to keep you updated with things that are happening, stories like Wendy's that you're going to see in a moment. So as you fill out that card, we might turn and watch Wendy's story.
We might get the band back um, as we conclude, but uh, God restores dignity. And Wendy is a classic example of restoration. You know, her family was restored with her sons. Her finances were restored. And, of course, her faith and her relationship with God was restored. Um, What a complete work that she has experienced. And the good news about Wendy's story is that, you know, the Bible says God is not a respecter of persons. In fact, God wants to do the same thing for anybody who can call out to him. And so as I bring this morning to a close, I guess I wanted to finish by just asking you a couple of questions. The first thing I would love to do is to encourage you to think about um, how can I serve in my community? How can I be involved in uh, reaching out to people in the local community, people like Wendy and others who desperately need the hope of Jesus Christ. Um, How can you do that? Well, one of the great ways you can do that is by really supporting um, Anne and the the Cap Money program. Um, It may be that you might do the program yourself first. Uh, Often what happens is people do it themselves and then as a result of that, they start to talk to their friends about it because it does make a big difference in your life. And I want to reiterate that um, you don't have to be rich or poor to be able to do Cap Money. It's one thing to earn money, but it's another thing to manage money. And, uh, and I, I want to encourage people not to allow guilt and shame to override a wonderful victory that you can have. Often shame and guilt will stop us from getting help. But if, if you need help, don't feel shameful about that. Because it means there's a great victory on its way for you. And God wants to see you living free without the, the shackles of debt the shackles of of burden that you uh, don't have to live with. But also look at ways of how you can take this into the community as well because there are so many people that really do need this type of help. So that's the first thing you can do. The other thing you can do is actually pray. You can pray for this ministry. You can pray for us. You know, we see, um, you know, 500 clients, 600 clients a year across Australia and some of the stories you see are quite, quite messy. And uh, our people go into people's homes and, and they are going into war zones, in a, you know, because things are quite desperate for people. So please pray for our ministry because um, your prayers are important to us and can make a big difference. The other way that you can be involved as well, and today I just want to give you an opportunity, maybe something we've said today is connected with you. Um, as an organisation, we are a non-for-profit organisation. We do not take any government funding because we don't want to stop praying for our clients and we also don't want to stop offering the hope of Jesus to our clients. We will not do that. And so uh, we, um, we rely upon the generosity of, of Christians across this nation. At the moment, we have 3,500 individuals that give us a small monthly donation. We call them life changes. And for as little as $10 a month, you can help more people like Wendy uh, go through their journey, helping them with their debt program. So um, whatever it works for you, maybe you, you've got a bit more capacity to be able to support our ministry, but just make, make known that whatever you can do uh, on a monthly basis um, would really make a big difference in people's lives. And if that's for you today and you think you could do that, on the right-hand side of the card, um, we've got all the facilities available for you to be able to, uh, to support this ministry on a monthly basis financially. Uh, all you need to do is tick the box, circle the amount, put your bank account details in and bring it to the stand after the service and I will be able to help you with that t- today. But regardless of that, 
please come and get a book. I'm flying home with Jetstar today, so they charge you by the book as far as weight is concerned. So I would like to get as many books away uh, so I don't get charged more on the way home. Uh, but look, again, it will be a life changer for you if you read that book today. So come and see me at the stand after the service and I'd love to have a conversation with you. So that brings me to a close now, but what we'd like to do is just to give us a little bit of time, a bit of space, a bit of an opportunity just to meditate over some of the things that were said today. And maybe you would like to have some prayer. Maybe you'd like to have someone pray for you. Um, This is a great opportunity, coming before the throne of grace with boldness today. Don't let shame override you. If there's anything troubling you this morning, take it to God in prayer and leave it with him today because he has an answer for you, no matter what it is, financial, spiritual, health, whatever it may be. Take it to the cross. Take it to Jesus' feet today and allow him to shoulder that burden for you this morning. So the rest of us are going to sing and meditate and pray this morning as we come before God. Thank you.